0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are in the midst of our every member canvas, that annual exercise when churches across the land ask their people to support their work financially. At Trinity, our goal this year is $1,100,000 with a stretch goal of one2 Over the past three weeks, we've heard from some of our parishioners about their giving and the reasons for it. It was ten years ago that Trinity invited me back as a former parishioner to talk about my own giving and the reasons for it. So I gave my testimony, as it were, and this is how I started. It scares me a little to imagine what shape I might be in today were it not for Lent and tithing. By my tenth grade year in high school, I, an acolyte at this cathedral, was picking up a habit of the sort that can derail a life even before it clears the station. And by senior year, the little habit had become a way of life. It was coming on to spring that year when I mentioned to a friend in Mr. Muldrew's fifth period class in Problems of Democracy that I was thinking about what I'd be giving up for Lent. My friend said, I know one thing you won't be giving up, haha. And I paused and thought and said to myself, you want to bet? I kept the fast that Lent, including Sundays for extra measure. And I think that although I did not see it this way at the time, this was probably the crucial turning point in a process of deliverance. Thus it came to pass that a good habit that I was given early on in church, it was there later to help lift me from a bad habit I picked up elsewhere along the way. We call this providence. God provides the means. It also scares me to think where I might be without the tithe. Our tithe is an expression of belief, a prayer, a fast, a pilgrimage. The tithe is an eye-opening habit that helps us to see Christ in ourselves in a different light. It has been that for me. Where would I be without it? Richer, maybe. Unhappy, probably. In jeopardy, without a doubt. Inherited wealth is notoriously destructive. That carries some entertainment value, doesn't it? I guess we all get a kick out of watching foolish heirs and heiresses party, crash, burn, and then write a book about it. Even your hard-earned, self-made dollars generate temptations. Money has hallucinogenic properties. It so easily infects us with an exaggerated notion of our own importance in one sense and with a diminished appreciation for it in another. It gets us coming and going. It takes faith to see through these illusions. My goodness, does it ever. The truth in what I have just said to you is harder for some of us to see almost than the truth of Jesus' resurrection. Like Bartimaeus, the blind beggar on the road who cried to Jesus, we wave our cane and beat our cup and holler, Help me, Jesus. Help me see again. Our tithes, our giving habits, are God's answer to that prayer. The concept and practice of stewardship is a God-given, corrective lens that helps us see ourselves for what we truly are. Your giving belongs to the providence through which God stands you up to see the true, full measure of your value, which is glorious. End quote. The Episcopal Church is not perfect. Like all churches, we have our share of inherent vices. But we have some inherent virtues, too. One of them, I think, is our wisdom and integrity concerning money. By that, I don't mean, I don't guarantee that in our church you will never hear a silly or misleading word about money or read of a financial scandal we are not sin free. Sin is not news to me, but wisdom and integrity, when I can find them, are. And through the years I have found them in our church's teaching about giving. I have been a pledging member of the Episcopal Church since I was a child in Sunday school in Harrison, Arkansas, and I put my pennies in an envelope into the collection plate every Sunday. As an adult, Julie and I have pledged to seven different churches, three diocesan capital campaigns, one seminary, and two Episcopal schools. Along with that, we've given to a panoply of other worthy causes, from cows to grand pianos. Not once, through decades of giving, have I felt manipulated by my church. I know what church manipulation looks like because I've seen it on TV. It can use either a carrot or a stick. The carrot is the promise that in God's economy no contribution is left unrewarded. Put that $500 contribution on your credit card and the job you've been praying for will come. The stick is guilt. There's always something to feel guilty for. Guilt is sometimes used to try to get us dig a little deeper. It built the great cathedrals of Europe. Those two forms of manipulation are distortions of two lessons about money that I did learn in church. One lesson was a promise, the other was a challenge. I did hear a promise that something good would happen because I gave. I would learn to love God more. I inferred that I would therefore be happier in life. Jesus, who was very shrewd, advised Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thank God he put it that way instead of the other way around. If he had said that treasure follows heart, then I'm left stuck with the heart I was given, which is spiritually unreliable. My heart needs a tow truck from time to time. Jesus gives us something concrete that we can do to turn our hearts to God, cast some coin in God's direction, enough to attract and hold our heart's attention and the heart will fall in step, he said. I've followed that advice to some extent. It's hard to say what difference it's made. can't know what my life would be like had I lived it another way, either by giving less or more to the purposes of God. Everyone has heard of Francis of Assisi. His father was a wealthy textile merchant. In the year 1205, Francis saw Christ in a vision. He disowned his father and renounced his inheritance. According to legend, he was so thorough as to remove his clothes in a public meeting room to begin the life of poverty with nothing at all. If ever anyone loved God with all his heart, it was Francis of Assisi. St. Francis, I am not. Probably I am, like, like most of you, having a divided heart. Wanting to love God, yet not wanting to let go of anything. I thank God for my divided heart. I know that I'm much more happy, hopeful, and peaceful with this divided heart than I could ever be had I never placed treasure in the church. Undivided hearts are found in heaven and in hell. Although I am not St. Francis, God knows that he has my attention. And I know that God has used that attention to keep me safe and roughly on course through life's trials and ups and downs. I know people who have given a lot more to the church because they had more and others who have given less because they had less who will say the same thing. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I heard that promise in church and I believe it is true. Try it for yourself. And see. With that promise, I also heard a challenge. From early on, I was urged to tithe. Tithe means tenth, it is an ancient standard for giving to the church. In Scripture, the people were expected to return a tenth of the harvest to support the temple and its priests. I as much appreciate what the Episcopal Church did not tell me about the tithe as what it did. The Church did not try to snow me by covering up the obvious truth that our society and its institutions are different from those of ancient times. We pay taxes now to do things that long ago were underwritten by tithes. We know the world has changed. Even so, the Episcopal Church affirms the tithe as a standard for faithful giving. It serves as a goal to work toward or a base to work from. In every church I have served, I have seen faithful people tithe, some rich, some poor, others in between. I have watched church members begin to seriously consider the tithe for the first time, taking steps in that direction, two steps forward, one step back. These good examples have inspired and challenged me. Here, no one points a finger at me as though to say, you really should be doing more. But neither does the church back down, falling into flattery as if to say, well, you've given enough. The church knows better than to do that. Our standard is the tithe, but our master's standard was, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. I do tithe my salary to Trinity. Because I have significant income from a family business beyond my salary, Julie and I decided early in our marriage that for us the tithe was not enough. Since then, we commit on average 20% of our income to the larger church and other causes or organizations that in their various ways are doing God's work in the world. Giving to the church won't save my soul. Christ has saved my soul. He saved yours too. Giving to the church allows the church to spread the word concerning this. Giving to the church has increased my confidence in this. For all my life, I've given it my treasure. I'm here now because it has my heart.